Well, this is, I, I'm loving the change in the scenery here. Um, do you guys like those stars? Those are pretty cool, eh? Pretty cool. Yeah, so our, our newly minted decorating committee is working hard to, to make things beautiful. It's funny because there's certain ones of us, and I'm probably lean to that end, who don't actually see these things. Like, we don't actually hardly notice them. Uh, but then there's other people who just really appreciate them to the nth degree. So um, I could be in, like, a colorless box and just pleased as punch about life. But then other people come and make it beautiful. And uh, I just appreciate people who do that. Uh, they really make, it, uh, you know, make our place warm and inviting and, and uh, Christmassy at the same time. So it's pretty nice. So if you've got gifts like that, if you've got abilities like that, uh, use them for the goods of other people. It's a great blessing. This is, even though we're switching to Christmas, we're not quite starting our Christmas series till next week. I'm actually going to do the very last message in our Holy and Whole series this morning, even though our Holy and Whole motif is, is, isn't there anymore. But I just wanted to... Um, so if you're just joining us today, we've been all through this fall, probably from late September until now, we've been going through this, this teaching series we're calling Holy and Whole. Basically, we've been talking about how spiritual maturity and emotional health go together. Uh, in fact, they're really linked. It's impossible to be fully spiritually mature without being emotionally healthy or emotionally mature. And, uh, and God wants to grow us up in both those areas at the same time. And so we've been talking about what it takes to, uh, to experience that in our lives. And we've been using a little bookmark. How many still have one in the, in the bench in front of you? See if you can find one. Still have one wave it at me. I don't know how many are left. We're really, uh, they're disappearing more and more. There's a few left, okay? So this is our, our, our holy and whole bookmark. And on the back, it's got, a, it's got an evaluation sentence, basically. And I'll read it to you real quick. And this is what it says. It says, now it's time for, it says health check at the top. And then it uses the acrostic of health down the side. But now it's time for honest and heartfelt evaluation of what I need to do to add what I need to add, sorry, what I need to lose, thoughts I need to take captive, truth I need to meditate on, help I need to seek, and the healing I need to receive. These are all, we're talking about just all the different things that will bring health into your life, spiritual health, emotional health uh, into your life so that uh, you experience in a greater and greater measure the holiness of God and the wholeness that he brings uh, to our emotional lives as well. So it's been really neat because along the way, a lot of you have shared with me some of the steps that you've taken. Some of them are like you just shared them. You didn't say I had permission to tell everybody, but you, you shared them. And, uh, but it's been neat because some of them have been um, small changes and some of them have been rather large changes. Some people have uh, sort of almost stumbled upon something they need to add or subtract in their lives. Other people have gone on a very intentional journey towards that. Uh, everybody who signed up for the set free retreat, they basically went on a very intentional process to experience as much of God's holiness and wholeness in their lives. Um, but some of you, the Holy Spirit has just been nudging you in different ways, and, and you've made some small or rather remarkably large changes in the last number of weeks. And thank you for all those of you who've shared those with me. And thank you for responding to the Holy Spirit. I'm not thanking you on behalf of God. I'm just saying... What a good decision to respond to the Holy Spirit 
and, and be intentional about your growth. I'm very proud of you as a church for the ways in which you've been open to what God wants to do in your life and how you've been responding. Today, I want to I end this whole series. I want to sort of wrap it up, if I can, um, with one of the biggest areas of, of, to add to our lives. One of the biggest areas to add to our lives. You, again, we're saying, what do I need to add? What do I need to lose in the middle of that, that health assessment? One of the biggest areas to add to our lives. I want to start with a really strange verse, or strange verses in Matthew 12, 43 to 45. All right, so it says, this, Jesus is telling this, he's using this as an illustration, or he's telling this story, but, uh, or he's a, explaining something about the spiritual realm. And it, it sounds a little strange to our ears, but just hang in there. Um, I'll show you where we're going. It says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person, the house is a person, is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So let's say you remove something from your life that, uh, or, or you, you're in the process of removing something from your life that's not helpful, not healthy, not holy, not good. What are you meant to replace it with? What are you meant to replace it with? Jesus tells a story, he says, here's a story where something bad comes out of someone's life and things sort of cleaned up, swept clean and all that stuff, but then it's like the house is still empty. It needs an occupant, right? And so it actually, the person, even though they make incredible step forward in seeing something removed from their lives, they later on make a huge step backwards, and it's even worse than before. And maybe you've seen that in people's lives. Uh, maybe you've experienced it in your own life, right, where you say, man, I just, it seems like I was just going forward and, and seeing great advancement in this area of my life, and now here it's months or years later, and I, I'm actually farther back than when I began the process. It seems like it was one step forward but two steps back. How did that happen? And it's important that when we, we remove something from our lives that's negative, that we replace it with something that's positive, that we replace it with something that is, is healthy and, and holy. Um, and the, probably the biggest thing that we're told in the New Testament to fill our lives with is to fill our lives with the, with the Holy Spirit. So let me read you Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. It says, Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which is like, you know, wicked, bad stuff in your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, um, you got two, two ways to live. One is categorized as unwise. The other is categorized as wise. And, uh, and one is making the most of every opportunity. One would be uh, definitely not taking, you know, not taking the opportunities that we've been given. So, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. What is the Lord's will? It's this contrast. Don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Or don't be controlled by any external 
something that leads to more negative in your life. So it's not just picking on wine. You say, oh, good, I can get drunk on beer, or I can use some other substance, <laughs> right? The general principle is there's an external something that's controlling your life, and it leads to a worse place. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. So don't be controlled by that external force. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. There's something that's meant to be inside of you that's changing your life for the better. And it begins to describe some of those changes. It talks about speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So it's like encouraging each other. It's funny, speaking to each other with all this song stuff. It's, I, I always find that funny. Aren't you supposed to sing that to each other? But anyway, I guess you're speaking to each other with the encouragement that you get from the Spirit of God. Okay? And then making music from your heart to the Lord. So we're talking about worship. Um, not just waiting, you know, you don't have to have it prepackaged, but actually, you know, singing your own song to God or, or, or just honoring God or expressing your, your, how much you adore him from your own heart to God. And then giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So gratitude is a huge part of this, uh, this um, influence in your life. And then submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So not only is it like you're encouraging each other, you're worshiping God, you're expressing your gratitude towards God, but actually you play well with others, you interact well with others. Mutual submission means that sometimes you're in charge and you're leading the charge and sometimes I am and actually we're always sort of deferring to each other. Have you seen that Tim Hortons commercial where they're fighting over who will pay? You seen that one? Yeah, it's sort of like it's a Canadian standoff. I don't know if you've seen that one. Anyhow, they're both trying to pay back and forth and, and whatever. And I think the Christian church... When you, look, when you talk about mutual submission, that's a little bit what it looks like. It's like, you know, no, you know, you are such a blessing in my life. You're such an encouragement. Oh, no, no, it's you. You really encouraged me. Oh, you're amazing. I just love you. It's just, it's, whoa. It's a, you know, it's a church standoff, I guess you could say. But when you're filled with the Spirit of God, these are some of the things that happen. This is what it leads to. When you're filled with wine, as it says here, it leads to other stuff. Right? And you can, you can make your own list that, that would fit that. Right? But we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. We're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. One of the biggest things we're commanded to add into our lives is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, just quickly, I'll say a few things fast. I, um, I don't want to take a long time with this message, but I want to, I want to get to some things. The Holy Spirit is a person not a force, right? We're all going to you know, watch Star Wars at Christmas, but the Holy Spirit is not the force, okay? The Holy Spirit is the person, third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is a person. You, can, you read all the person, personifications in the New Testament. You know, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The, don't resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit leads. The Holy Spirit is God. I know the three in one is always a little tricky for us to get our heads around. I don't think we're ever supposed to totally be able to get our heads around it. Uh, boy, if you could explain God, where would the mystery be? Where would the greatness of who he is be? But the Holy Spirit is a person, and you receive, when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit into your life. But the question for believers, because this Ephesians 5 is written to people who are already Christians, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would you say, well, I have the Holy Spirit in my life. Why do I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's sort of like, um, it's like the gaslight on your furnace, right? Do you have flame in your house? 
Yes, it's this big. But if you add gas, then you have a lot of flame, right? And uh, it's, not that, it's not so much that we have the Holy Spirit, but it's the question, does the Holy Spirit have us? Is the Holy Spirit influencing us in such a way? Is the Holy Spirit's influence so uh, demonstrably evident in our lives that these things start to come out, this encouragement, this, this worship, this gratitude, this, this deferring to one another that, we, that you know, relationships are easy and, and good and beneficial and mutually encouraging because something's creating that in us. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So this is command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now some people get into the Greek words and they say, you know, it, it really talks about keep on being filled. Right? Keep on being filled, that it's, it's, a, it's something that happens more than one time. And we see, we see some pretty strong evidence that, that that could be exactly how it works. Peter, um, one of Jesus' you know, early followers, he was, seemed like he was filled by the Holy Spirit three times. Acts 2, 4 says, all of them, this is, you know, I think 120 are waiting on God. And uh, Jesus had said, hey, wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to send power. Okay, we might read that verse later, but Wait. Doesn't tell them, hey, wait this set amount of time. Just says, wait. Open-ended. Can you imagine that? Wait, and God's going to send something to empower you in your life. Okay. How long? Months? Years? You don't know. Some people say it was 10 days. I've seen some people say it was seven days. But either way, it was at the Feast of Pentecost, which was like a harvest festival. So it would be like all the farmers celebrating they got their crops in. It was this harvest festival on the day of Pentecost that what was promised arrived. And it was the filling of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Peter was filled. He was there. In fact, what happened immediately after that was he began to speak. Remember, Peter was one of the, he was that timid guy who always thought he was brave, but he was really a chicken. Suddenly, he actually is who he was always meant to be. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, he speaks, and it says 3,000 people joined the church. They became followers of Jesus that day. Then Acts 4.8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is a little while later. They, they helped a, they, there was a lame guy. He was waiting at the, the gate uh, going in. They healed him. He said, Rise up in the name of Jesus. He did. Miracle happened. They got arrested. You weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> so he got, they got arrested, and they said, Don't, you know... Um, you know, don't speak about Jesus anymore. Don't teach about Jesus. And it says, I'll just give you the beginning of the story. I won't give you the whole story. And it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. And then he goes on to just speak to them with boldness. And then the last one where it seems like Acts 4.31. Again, some guys were arrested. Again, they were told never to speak in the name of Jesus again. And they come back and they have a prayer meeting. These first followers of Jesus Jesus is gone, right? Remember how gutsy they were when Jesus was there? And now Jesus is gone. But they're still experiencing this influence of the Holy Spirit in their life. It says they prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So it seems like Peter, at least, had three different times where he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So it seems like that Greek word about in Ephesians, keep on being filled, actually is applicable. That is something that 
it's not just a one-time thing, but it's, it's, it's something that we keep coming back to. So what's the point of being filled with the Holy Spirit? What, what comes out of that? What are some of the good things? First is the fruit, right? Let's talk about it. Some people talk, what's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, let, I'm going to talk about three, one, three real quickly. Well, I guess the one I should already just reference because I just mentioned it. That would be easier. Is boldness, right? Peter was bold. Peter was bold. Peter was bold. He was bold to speak to the huge crowd of people who were strangers. He was bold to speak to people in authority who had the ability to imprison him or take his life. He was, uh, and then when they prayed together in their prayer meeting, they all went out speaking boldly. So probably we should start there, is that, uh, is that this is intended to make us bold. That is to make us bold about our faith and about our, our talking about Jesus and our witness uh, for him. In Acts 1, 4 to 5, Jesus is telling them this is what's going to happen. He's eating with them, and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1, 8, just a few like it's just in the same conversation, he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on to me, on you, sorry, on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a pretty big thing for most of these guys who, you know, their travel, their travel plans was maybe 100 kilometers in their lifetime, right? You're, you are going to be my ambassadors to the ends of the earth to take the message about me to everybody, Right? Even to those people in other countries that you're probably scared about right now. Right? The Jews weren't really, they didn't always play well with other nations. Right? Look at the story of Jonah. It's like, no, I don't want to go tell those wicked people in that other country that stink and smell differently than me. And said, you're going to be my ambassadors to everybody. <laughs> you're going to just be rocked out of your just little Jewish enclave here and you're going to go to the nations. And you're going to go in power because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So boldness and power to actually take the message of Jesus wherever they went was, was I would say, the first part about it. But there's, there's two others that often we get talking about when we talk about why, why be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why is it so important for Christians to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And the second one is fruit. Fruit. Or that's, that's the language of Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let me read it to you. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. So fruit, one way of saying it, it's like if the root in your life is the Holy Spirit working in your life, what's this kind of stuff you're going to be able to see? The evidence. That's what fruit is, right? Someone says, that's an apple tree. You say, well, I'll believe it in the springtime. Oh, I see the blossoms. I think it probably is an apple tree. Then the summer, those are apples. Now I see the fruit, I know you told the truth. It is an apple tree, right? The fruit of the Spirit, how do you know the filling of the Spirit is in someone's life? Well, boldness is a huge tell, but the other one is is this fruit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. When we're filled with the Spirit, the effects of that filling is God's love, his joy, his peace, all these things come into our lives. Luke 10, 21 says it this way, at that time, Jesus... Do you know that Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit? I don't have time to get into all of that, but just throw that out there. That Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit, and it said different times Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Very crazy. Jesus emptying himself to become this God-man, but yet 
in tune with the Father and dependent on the Holy Spirit. Very, like, interesting stuff. It says at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. One of the things that you, you can experience in your life through uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is a fullness of joy, to be filled with joy. What else do you get filled with uh, through the Holy Spirit? Romans 15, 13 say, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is God pouring into your life? We're talking about losing and adding, and a lot of us naturally go to the losing side, don't we? Say, man, i got to get rid of that bad habit. Oh, i got to quit doing that. Oh, that's, that's not right. i got to confess that to a friend, or i got to confess that to God, and i got to deal with that. i gotta, I got to lose that. But what's replacing it? Fullness of joy. Fullness of peace. Overflowing with hope. Romans 5.5 5 gives us more. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. So, what, so these things are being removed and something is being put in and replaced. Here's the last one. So I said that what you experience, boldness, fruit, or the results in our character. You start seeing character or behavior that's like Jesus. You're saying, because all of us have that same feeling, right? I can't love like Jesus. I can't. He just... And he just, I try to love those people who are treating me or who are using and abusing me. And I find I'm just angry and hostile and full of hate and, and rage. And Jesus loved them, forgave them. How do I do that? I want to love like Jesus. How do I do it? We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be able to see our character and our behavior transformed to become like Jesus. The last one. Boldness, fruit, gifts. Gifts or abilities that empower and build up the church. Hebrews 2, 3 and 4. Well, I'll just jump later on into it. Verse 3. It says, How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So it's talking about how our lives are saved from sin by the power of God. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. So, yes, Jesus is reconciling people to himself. That's his business in the world. That's what he's about. That's what he's doing. He wants people to have relationship with him. He doesn't want them separated from him by sin. One of the things that sort of testifies or, or, or sort of shows us that this is really, uh, th- this work that Jesus was up to was, was really of God and legit. Was, there were was signs and wonders and various miracles that happened, but also by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So um, now this, in our language, we think, oh, Jesus gave out gifts. It sounds like a birthday, a reverse birthday. Jesus gave out gifts. But it's really talking about spiritual abilities, spiritual, uh, so um, I'll just pick one, discernment. Right? Is the spiritual ability. Right? Can you discern in a situation um, if this is something from God or if this is something from some other spiritual source? Well, God, can, God gives that ability to people in the church to be able to do that. And what about 
uh, well, one we often talk about is prophecy, the ability to speak things you've heard from God and you share that with another person to encourage them. Well, God does that in the church too, right? 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says this, so it is with you, so, since you are so eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So the purpose behind God empowering the church and giving them gifts and giving them all these things, discernment, prophecy, all these different ones, I won't get into all the lists, is so that his family, his followers, his sons and daughters will build each other up. Into, to become all that they were meant to be. To be fully alive in God, to be fully on mission for God. So he gives these, these gifts, right? They're not for ourselves, they're not for self-aggrandizement or to make big thing out of ourselves. They're actually to make a big deal out of God, right? But we encourage each other through the gifts he's given us. So, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we experience greater love for others, greater transformation in our own lives, greater worship. Uh, we're spiritually empowered with wisdom, words, and to build up others. We grow in our boldness to share what God has given us with, with others. All those things happen. So how, did it, how does it happen? How does it happen? As we're pulling to a close here, how does it happen? I want to just give you three really... I'll give, me some, I'll give you two encouragement verses, and then I'll give you three verses that talk about just the basics of how it happens. Acts 2.39 says who it's for. This promise is for you and your children and who all who are far off. This is great because we were far off. We didn't live in Jerusalem at that time. For all whom the Lord our God will call. If God has called you to be his son or his daughter, and he is calling you to be his son and daughter, then this promise of empowerment of this transformation inside by the Holy Spirit of God is for you. Acts 2, 17, 18 says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. So God is saying, Hey, young, old, male, female, doesn't matter. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to fill you with the spirit. So how, do we, how are we filled? Let me give you three words to help you with that part and help me with that. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. So if you love Jesus, if you're growing in love for others, it makes sense that you would desire whatever the Holy Spirit has for you in this area of, of being gifted, being enabled to build other people up. Eagerly desire it, Paul said. Eagerly desire it. So desire is the first thing. You say, well, you got to want that God to fill you up, the Holy Spirit to fill up your life. you got to want that. Second thing is Luke 11, 11 to 13 says, it talks about how good God is. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Don't raise your hands. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Right? If you then, though you're evil, he's <laughs> generous. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? If even flawed fathers can give good gifts, how much more will a perfect father give a perfect gift to his children when they ask him? 
So desire it. And then it says, ask him. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is pretty simple stuff, but I want to encourage you and, and for you to have confidence in this area. And then the last one, John 20, 22. This is how simple it was the first time with Jesus and his disciples. Very fa- fascinating. He just said, he breathed on them, and I do not know what that looked like. Was it like, or, or I don't know how it looked. With that, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So, desire this, ask for this, receive this. So, this is our lives. This is your life. This is my life. Wonderful, beautiful vessel for God to fill. But there's stuff in it. There's stuff inside. Some little stuff, some big stuff, sort of filling up our lives. The stuff that sort of keeps us from being spiritually mature, emotionally healthy. And God wants to fill up this, but you know what? Even, let's say someone just, and the cool thing is you come to God as you are. Isn't that cool? So you come to God as you are and you say, man, my life is a mess, God, I need you. You don't have to take out any of this stuff before that can happen. So you've got the Holy Spirit in your life. You're now a new son or daughter of God. And uh, let's say someone at the early stages says, you know what? God wants to just fill you to the brim with his Holy Spirit. And you say, that sounds pretty good. Okay. Let's say you, you do that. Let's say you desire that. You ask for that. And you receive that in your life. And it's cool because you're just a brand new Christian. You didn't earn this. It's a gift of God. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then on your journey with Jesus, along the way, he starts to show you some things. He says, you know what? You're mine. Not because you cleaned up everything in your life first, but because you recognized your need for me and you became mine. And now, you know what? I, there's some stuff in your life that if it was removed... There'd be more room for me. So you continue with Jesus. You've you've obeyed him. You've confessed. You've rejected sin. You've embraced Jesus. You're growing. you're, You're learning and stuff like that. And then he comes along and in his graciousness he says, Hey, you know what? I haven't shown you everything that I want to do in your life, but now I'm going to show you another step. You know, there's a few other things you need to to do. Hey, how about you go to that set-free retreat? I'm going to take out a few things at once. I'm going to really help you. I'm going to be intentional about things that are small, but also things that are about big. But you know what? I've got more for you. I've got more for you. And you don't even know all the stuff that's down here. He's, in his goodness, he'll reveal that someday. He doesn't show you it all at once. He would overwhelm you if he did. So he doesn't overwhelm you. He's a good father. He's a caring father. He leads his children really well. But he says, you know what? Now that we've displaced some of those things, now that, now that we've taken out that bitterness, guess what you have capacity for now? You have a whole new capacity for joy. 
You know, once we took that hate out, oh man, you have a whole new capacity for love. You know that critical spirit? That sharp edge in your life? Oh, you have a whole new capacity for faith now that it's gone. Here's the other dynamic. Sometimes we're just serving God and serving God and serving God. And you know, God said that he wanted to not only just fill us so that we're satisfied with the living water in our lives, he wanted to make a spring of living water to flow out from us. He wanted to actually have a flow through us, so we're going to just simplify that. And so he wants what he's pouring in you to flow out to others so that not, you're not just that you're satisfied, but that other people are satisfied, actually that you become satisfying. But you know what that requires? Fill me again, Jesus. Keep filling me, Jesus. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I leak. Hopefully I leak in all the right ways. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. Then he says, oh, I got, I got so much more. Can we just get rid of that one thing? Can we get rid of that one thing? Oh, now there's more room for me. You excited about your life? This is what he's doing. There's more room for me. There's more room for me. Fill me again, Jesus. Fill me again. My grandpa ran a photo studio in a small town in Manitoba, Cirrus, Manitoba, 2,000 people, and there was not a church that talked about Jesus and preached the gospel. And one day, my grandpa was a Baptist. One day, a Pentecostal preacher came to town and put up a tent and held outdoor meetings for people to come to this thing. And a number of people got saved. And after my grandpa went to it, and he pulled the Pentecostal preacher aside afterwards, and he said, we need a church in this town. If you'll stick around and you'll pastor here in this town, I'll give you 10% of the profits from my photo studio in order that we can start a church together. I don't know, and you'll need to get more money than that from other people, but I'll help you. I'll be your first tither, he said. And so the man stayed, and they started a church. One of the things back then was Baptists and Pentecostals saw the world very differently. What's happened since then is there's been a huge sort of melting pot of Christianity that's happened. Oh, actually, quite a wonderful thing. Some of you grew up Baptist, some of you grew up Pentecostal, some of you grew up Anglican and United and Methodist and everything. We're Heinz 57 here. Like, we are really a melting pot. But back then, that was no big deal for a Baptist and a Pentecostal to make a pact to start a church together. And one of the things the Pentecostal pastor said to my grandpa, he said, uh, how about we go to these special meetings that are happening in Winnipeg? And uh, Frank Small was, you know, was a guy who was going to speak there. And he, so he and my mother, who was, I think, either late teens or young adults, somewhere in those age, they went together. And Frank Small got up and he talked about how we need the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, it was a very Pentecostal-style meeting. And uh, they, how they were going to do it was they said, well, we'll just have you come up row after row, and we'll have people lay hands on you and pray for you, and so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's what they did. 
And my grandpa, my Baptist grandpa, and my Baptist mom were at the back. And they were going row by row. And you know what? They just began to say, God, whatever you got for us, we're willing to receive. We desire for you to fill our lives up with your spirit. And so we just ask simply that you would do that. So way before anyone got to their row in the church to sort of say, hey, it's your turn to go up and for someone to lay their hands on and pray for you, the spirit of God just came. And my mom and dad, my mom and my grandpa both experienced this infilling of the, of the Spirit of God in their lives. They had this experience where God just came and, and just uh, began to fill them right up. So I keep running into people and they say, I'm Baptist, I'm Alliance, I'm Methodist, I'm Pentecostal, I'm whatever. And you know what I just realized about all of us? We need what Jesus promised. We need the promise of the Holy Spirit. We need boldness. We need uh, fruit. We need to see the results of God's work in our lives so people can say, wow, it is really true. God has really impacted your life. We, we need the empowerment through the gifts of the Spirit. We need all those things. You know, it doesn't matter what stripe you came from. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at that command in Ephesians, it says, hey, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, allow another source to fuel your passions, to fuel your life, to empower you, to control you, to influence you for good results. It's simple. You just say, okay, God, I want what you have for me. I don't want anything fake. I don't want anything phony. I don't want anything trumped up. I don't want anything, anything else. That doesn't mean that it might not be emotional. In fact, Chris and I, were, Chris and Pastor Chris and I were talking about this this week. I said, you know what? When people really seek God in this way, often it is emotional. But it's not that it's emotionalism that we're making a big deal about. It's just that when we get really honest with God, when we say, God, I want everything that you have for us, we're getting really vulnerable. And often it's really emotional because it's like, God, I need you. I need you. So desire, ask, and receive. That's all it is. We're going to end our service here with a time where people can be prayed for or people can pray on their own. So you can be all out Pentecostal this morning. And we have prayer teams that are going to come on this side. This is the Pentecostal side. And they're going to come. <laughs> they're going to come on. The, you can come and people, they'll lay hands on you. Don't worry. No one's going to do anything unsafe or bad. Okay? These are trained people. Right? So it's like Laura Blackman herself is praying for you. The safest person in the church to pray for anybody. Right? So, so, that, so if you want someone to pray for you, just say, oh man, I just need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit this morning. Come, and, and we'll pray for you on the side. If you say, I want to I do it more like your mom and grandpa do it. Can I do it more like the Baptists? I would encourage you, just come on this side and seek God on your own. No one's going to lay hands on you. Everyone's going to leave you alone. Just you and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Okay? So pick your side. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We all need the Holy Spirit to empower us 